Welcome to the Diocesan Digest, your favorite source for all things going on in the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. This week we feature Bishop Polson. We sit down to talk about his first year of leadership at the diocese and cover issues from the importance of small churches to what it means to be a vital congregation. I am so thankful for this time with our bishop, and I know y'all will enjoy hearing from him, so let's dive in. All right, Bishop Holson, thank you so much for your time. I'm delighted to yeah. have the time. This is great. Yeah, I thought the people would really enjoy hearing from you a year in. A year in. Yeah. Yeah. You I don't know, know where the time has gone. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's I can't believe how fast this has gone. But we wanted to check in with you and see how you're enjoying being a new bishop. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So what's it been like so far? Do you like the role as compared to being a parish priest? And what's been like the biggest adjustment mm. in in like bumping up yeah. in the world? So I do really like the role. Um, it's uh, it, it's fun. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the the challenge of it. I'm enjoying, mm. you know, thinking about instead of of one congregation and a school, uh, mm. instead it's the whole diocese and it's all of our congregations and our schools and our senior living mm-hmm. centers and St. Crispin. So it's just a different scale of kind of leadership and ministry, but I'm enjoying it tremendously, enjoying learning about it. Um, In terms of the differences, you know, it's been interesting. Uh, We've pretty recently had Holy Week, and that was one of the great moments for me where I realized, okay, this is really very different. Because when I was in uh, a congregation, Holy Week would be a ton of liturgical planning. Mm-hmm. Right, so working with all of the staff and volunteers and get getting everything planned and ready to go, um, which takes a, a huge amount of time and effort. As a bishop for Holy Week, basically all I did is I looked at drafts of the liturgies, made a few comments, and then showed up and <laughs> celebrated and preached. So I was at, at Trinity Guthrie um, for Palm Sunday and then at the cathedral for um, most of Holy Week for Thursday mm-hmm. night, Friday night, Saturday night of Holy Week, and then Easter Day. Um, but I just had to, to show up, and all the wonderful people did a great job of planning it all, um, uh, and I just lent some presence. I, and I would say the other big thing that's a difference from parish ministry uh, that's really striking to me is how much less I'm teaching. Mm. So when, particularly at my last congregation where I had a congregation and a school, I was teaching almost daily, teaching something in the church, teaching something in the school, sometimes both. Um, I had an office with books around me all the time. I was always reading things, always preparing some kind of class, whether a class for adults. I also taught third and fourth grade religion, so I was getting mm-hmm. classes ready for um, for the students. I do so much less teaching here. Um, and that's actually something that I want to change a bit going forward um, as we get past this first year. I want to find more opportunities to teach. I love teaching Mm-hmm. I think the teaching role of the bishop is actually a kind of underappreciated aspect yeah. of that ministry. 
And so I want to find more opportunities to teach. I, I'm thinking about this in part because I just taught a class last Saturday for those who are learning to be spiritual directors mm -hmm. in our diocese. And I loved it. I loved having the chance to do some teaching with them. So I, I hope to find ways to do more teaching, um, maybe in some of the congregations I'm visiting, but I'm also thinking about some teaching for the whole diocese. Maybe we can do some more things that that we can get on our, our various uh, you know streaming and video platforms for folks to to enjoy because I, I do love to teach. Yeah, yeah, I think our folks would love that. Yeah, I think there's lots of cool things we could do. Yeah, or so, yeah. you could teach a class at Cassidy <clears throat> or Holland Hall. I don't know. Maybe do a little theological ethics course or this is advanced true. Bible class or something. That's also possibly, and I have to be careful because <laughs> so my three boys are at Cassidy. Yes. Our three boys are at Cassidy, and um, let's just say they're getting to an age where sometimes. You know, having dad come to teach a class is maybe less cool, maybe less <laughs> exciting than when they were, were in their former school. Yeah. yeah. So I gotta be careful about that. But definitely yeah. looking forward to more teaching. Yeah. I love that. That's great. What's been your experience? Because um, you've made it a priority to visit all of our really small churches first. Yes. How's that been? What have you learned? What's been encouraging? What's been hard? What's mm. just been your overall experience of that? It has been great. And why'd you do that? Why was that important to you? Yeah, well, it was important to me for a couple of reasons. Um, I wanted to visit the small congregations uh, partly because as COVID was really raging, um, it was safer to do that. And so um, yeah. I started visiting small congregations in early September. And part of the determination was, you know, if it's a really small congregation and we're, you know, somewhere between five and a dozen people gathered, that's going to be a lot safer than having me at a congregation with, you know, 200 people packed in. So that was part of it initially, that it just was going to be a little safer from a COVID protocol point of view, because the last thing I wanted to do is get a big group together and then have it become a, a super spreader event. But it was also a way of my saying, I hope, to the small congregations that I'm going to really care about them and be with them. Small congregations are really important to me um, as bishop, really important to our diocese. And so this was a way to say, hey, you know, you all are, um, are at the top of, of my list. Um, and it, it's been absolutely incredible. So starting in September, um, almost every Sunday, I was out at a at a small congregation just now, um, as we're recording this in in April um, of 2021. I'm getting to the medium sized congregation, mm -hmm. so it's been a lot of small congregations from September up until now, and I have so loved getting to know these small congregations and their communities. Um, mm -hmm. They are resilient. Uh, they are amazing in the way that they take not a lot of financial resource and yet have incredible ministry impact. They're, they're kind of magnifiers of ministry because you put not a lot of money into a small congregation, very thin financial resources, but they amplify that into huge community impact. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely incredible to see that. Um, I've been amazed at our small congregation's adaptations with technology. Yeah. So I don't think there's a small congregation I've been to that didn't have some kind of streaming going on. You know, maybe it was just a phone on a tripod, you know. Um, in other cases, it was more sophisticated. But 
they've been streaming. They've learned how to do that on the fly, which is awesome, um, entirely with volunteers. And, and also, I'll just say, with the small congregations, there's so much history there. I love history. I love learning about history. And in many, many cases, these small congregations go back to the 1890s. You know, missionary mm -hmm. Bishop Brooke, our very first bishop, right. and they were planted in these communities. Oftentimes it was in, in houses, little house churches before there were buildings. But so many of our small congregations have been in their communities literally since the communities began. And that's just an amazing thing when you think of these places serving their communities, being places of faith, you know, for such a long period of time. And, and you know, part of my job as bishop is to be sure that these small communities continue to serve their communities for many, many, many years to come. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I know they've enjoyed having you. <laughs> oh, it's been great. Yeah. I don't know if you want to speak on you know, what your vision, if your vision has changed at all since you've started mm. to where you are now and, you know, going through COVID and seeing everything the church has been up against, mm -hmm. um, what is your vision changed at all? And what are the, the challenges that you see the church facing mm. right now? Yeah. So, I mean, the entirety of my ministry as bishop has taken place in this COVID pandemic, you know, so I, I arrived with my family, uh, Megan and our three boys, um, uh, basically a year ago, a year ago in a couple of weeks. Um, so April of 2020 is when we arrived. Um, my consecration as bishop was at the end of May, May 30th. So that's kind of coming up. Um, as we're recording this today. Um, and, and so the whole of my ministry has been, been in the midst of this pandemic. And so part of the way that I think about it is that th this year of ministry has been very focused on the present for me. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, every day it's been about what are the COVID caseloads? How are the hospitalizations doing? How are the deaths? Uh, and there was that sort of daily monitoring of the of the progress of the pandemic and a focus on, okay, are we doing what we need to do right now in the present to keep our people safe as best we can, uh, while also to be the church? And how do we find creative ways to gather and to look after the vulnerable, reach out to our neighbors? You know, how do we do the things that we're meant to do? Um, but do them in, a, in, in an adapted form, trying to keep everybody safe. So it's been a very present focus. And, mm -hmm. and now as we've moved into having vaccine uh, available, um, for the first time, I feel like I'm able to, and we're able to as a diocese, start to look ahead mm -hmm. a bit. And so uh, to me, it feels like now all of a sudden I can lift my head up and yeah. look at a, a broader horizon of where we're going rather than just this this COVID crisis. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I haven't been, and we haven't been working on lots and lots of other things besides COVID, but it's been, I think, a, just a daily thing that we've been, been working through. So I'm excited now, particularly about congregational vitality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, vitality just meaning health and energy and life. Um, I like that better than congregational growth because, you know, growth, for better or worse, tends to suggest, you know, number of people yeah. attending church and 
um, you know, dollars um, being given and so on. And um, in some of our communities, you know, if you're a small church in a community that's shrinking, mm-hmm. um, and we've got a number of churches in that context, you know, growth in terms of more members, more people attending may not be a realistic goal if that's an environment where that's going to be virtually impossible. Yeah. But every congregation can be vital, mm-hmm. can be energetic, forming disciples, reaching out to our neighbors. Uh, we can can be vital. And so that congregational vitality piece is going to become a huge emphasis. And that doesn't mean that I won't continue to spend lots of time with our Episcopal institutions, with our Episcopal schools, our, our senior living centers, uh, with St. Crispin's, our camping conference center. Yeah. But I really see congregational vitality as the core of our mission as a diocese. Mm-hmm. Congregations are really what we're about primarily, and then we have other important missions that, that come right behind that. So um, I'm excited to be thinking about what congregational vitality looks like and how, as bishop, um, and as our diocesan offices, we can really walk alongside our congregations in that journey towards more vitality. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the kind of thing that I get really excited about. What does it mean to be a vital congregation? How do we measure things like that? You yeah. know, um, that that's kind of a geeky thing, but. Um, you know, how do we measure vitality? We're working on that right now, mm-hmm. developing some metrics so we can know, are we more vital or, or are we less vital? Are we the same? Um, and we've got great staff here in the diocesan office working on that. Um, so I think that's, that's the next thing that's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we just posted for the canon for congregational mm-hmm. vitality. We did. And... That they will be kind of charged with this whole task, right? Mm-hmm. And exactly. working with the ministry partners to assess where folks are at and help walk with them and give them mm-hmm. resources, right? Indeed. Yeah. And this is not a new position for us, of course. No. We had uh, Canon Tony Moon in a, a, a fairly part-time role in that role, and before him, uh, Canon, now Bishop Susan Snook, who mm-hmm. was in that role, uh, but it's been a role that's been unfilled for a year since yeah. Canon Tony retired, mostly for budgetary reasons. We were trying to, to really run a, a, a tight ship. And now we're able to say, okay, with COVID beginning to look like it's ending fairly soon, um, now is the time to focus on congregational vitality, mm-hmm. fill that position again, to work with our ministry partners team on staff here uh, in communications and formation and in stewardship and development. Um, and I think that that's going to be just a, a powerhouse team mm-hmm. uh, to work with our congregations who, who want to do this work. Um, say, if you want to be more vital, if you want to increase uh, giving and discipleship and impact in the community and your communications and other important metrics, we're here to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be a really solid resource. Yeah. I'm excited to see where that goes. Me too. And who y'all get in here. Me too. And and of course, you know, part of this is that, you know, we're we're going to we're looking also for a new communications person because our our wonderful Sarah who is so awesome, uh, who has done an incredible job is heading off to to seminary, mm-hmm. um, training to be a priest. Um, mm-hmm. Sarah will make a, a great priest. You'll be awesome in that role. But we're going to miss you around oh, here. Yeah. My gosh, you've done such a fantastic Don't job. Don't make me emotional on the podcast. I know. Okay, okay. We're going to, we're going to, we're going <gasps> to do that. We're going to, we're going to miss you a lot. Yeah. But, well, I know we'll see you 
a lot more um, once you're done with your seminary time yes. and as you come back and serve as a priest. Yes, y'all aren't done with me yet. No, no, this, no, This no. Okie wants to come back home, so. And, and, we, <laughs> and that's where we want you. That's exactly where we want you. Yes, so many exciting transitions, mm-hmm. but, you know, definitely a little bittersweet. Yeah. yeah, I just feel like there's so much energy in the diocese. I think just, you know, new new leadership. And, of course, we miss Bishop Ed, you know, Bishop Susan. And, you know, all all organizations need transition. It's healthy and it's good. But I just feel like there's just so much awesome energy coming in. And I think yeah. completing the diocesan staff will be a really mm-hmm. big undertaking yeah. for your tenure, your early tenure to get kind of your, your team assembled and ready to do Mm -hmm. the work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's see any big surprises since you've been Bishop that you're like, Whoa, I didn't see that coming. Big surprises. Besides COVID. Yeah. So we we can't keep, you know, using that. I know. I know. We've talked about that a lot. So, uh, it's an interesting question about surprises. So one of the, I don't know if this is a big thing or not, but this was interesting to me. I was thinking about this. Uh, I was thinking about this, uh, over the weekend. Um, so the, the, I was concerned that I wasn't going to like all the driving and just the, the sort of Sunday travel. You know, I know that I knew that with bishops, you know, part of the deal is like you're every Sunday in a different congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, you are, you know, you're you're heading all over the place. And I came from an environment. So in, in my former parish, um, I lived about five or six minutes away from our church and school. And I spent just a huge amount of time there. And I would, you know, go around and visit people in the hospital and, you know, go to various meetings and things. Um but I knew that that the travel for this job, and not the travel outside the diocese, but the travel in the diocese with those Sunday visits, um, would be um, would be would be a lot, and something that I had never experienced before. <clears throat> but actually, I've really enjoyed it. So those I, I love. I think folks are learning this about me. I love 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 my visits to congregations. It's my favorite part of the job by a mile. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean I don't love, you know, being here in the office and working on stuff. But my favorite part by far is visiting congregations. And so I wake up every Sunday morning. Oftentimes it's really early. Uh, just energized and excited to hit the road mm-hmm. and go and visit these congregations. So um, it's awesome to do that. And I always find the drives go really quickly because I'm so excited to get out there. So as we're recording this today, I was at St. John's in Venita um, last Sunday. So up in the northeast corner, you know, it's pretty pretty good sized drive up there. Um, and I just loved heading there because I knew that I was going to be talking with folks and meeting with them. And what I've been doing is leading worship, uh, celebrating and preaching, and then spending time with congregations afterwards doing kind of Q&A. Mm-hmm. Um, this past Sunday, for the first time, we were able to have a little bit of outdoor uh, sort of light food and beverage. It was a beautiful day. We were outside and distance and able to do that for the first time, which was great. And then I met with their vestry at the end, and we had a wonderful conversation with vestry. And I was so energized on my drive back. Yeah. Um, because I w- was uh, loving thinking about the great ministry that's happening, and that's true every Sunday in these congregations. So 
I've really adapted to that whole thing where I'm just most of the time going to have a pretty long drive out and back, but the visits make it so worthwhile mm-hmm. to do that. And I've started to get into sort of podcasts and things, which I'd never done before. So I, I always have something interesting I'm listening to in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also makes the drive go pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. What have you enjoyed about Oklahoma and getting to know Oklahoma? So uh, there's been a lot to enjoy about Oklahoma. And in addition to really um, appreciating and enjoying this new ministry of mine, I'm also just really enjoying my family as to mm-hmm. enjoying just being in Oklahoma, making this our, our home has been mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of things that, that I've loved. Um, certainly, I, I knew already about the kindness just the warmth of the people here. Mm-hmm. So from the very beginning of even the search process, that was the number one thing that stuck out for me is just how great the people were with that kindness and warmth and welcome. But I've also been impressed um, in a more specific way with the generosity of our people. So I was absolutely blown away with the response to the Bishop's Appeal this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. So we did yeah. this Bishop's Appeal for Vernon, Amy, and Tulsa. Yeah. And... You know, we had a really ambitious goal for that, which we completely blew out of the water. We had to adjust our goal like two times, at least, if not three, because we just kept blowing past the goal because Mm -hmm. folks were so generous. At the end of the day, uh, we raised uh, about $165,000 for Vernon Amy Church. Um, And I just, I was just astonished Every week, I would see those numbers going up, 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 and it, it would just blow my mind. Mm-hmm. So the generosity of our people yeah. is absolutely amazing. And on a, a more sort of personal level, in addition to Bishop's Appeal, I can't tell you how many baskets I've received um, from folks, to wonderful baskets filled with goodies and various things. We've got so many baskets at home. <laughs> it's like, okay, we've eaten all the candy and, you know, we've read the books and stuff. What do we do with all these baskets? We've got this collection. So we're, we're yeah. thinking about, okay, we got to repurpose these baskets <laughs> yeah. somehow. Because so many of these congregations have given us these gift mm, baskets. It's sweet. so sweet. Mm-hmm. So we, we have the best people and, and yeah. uh, I just continue to feel that way. I have never, I've lived a lot of places. I've never lived a place with better people mm. than Oklahoma. Mm. Warms my heart. Yeah. A couple other quick things yeah. before we wrap up. Do you want to talk a little bit about your time with Canon Eric? And oh, yeah. You know, we forgot to mention him and the staff earlier. He's been a huge part of just helping our congregations with transitions and mm-hmm. getting new clergy in the diocese. And we've got some pretty rad new clergy mm-hmm. so what's what's it been like working Absolutely. with him oh so ken and eric uh ken and eric joined our staff not long after i did so mm-hmm. i arrived in april and sort of got going with things ken and eric started july 1 so he was the first staff hire after i began and you know honestly i was a little nervous about the 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 position not about him but about mm-hmm. the position because the canon to the ordinary is so critical. Yeah. It's like your right-hand person. It's your sort of chief of staff. As you say, involved with transitions and openings and congregations, with the ordination process. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a critical, critical role. Um, and it has been just a, a joy of joys to work with Canon Eric. 
So first of all, he's just fantastic at his job. Yeah. So he brings experience as the rector of uh, several congregations. He had five years on um, the bishop's staff in Southwest Florida. He had a long career in business before all of that. Um, so he's, he's incredibly experienced. Uh, he is far more experienced at his ministry than I am at mine. So there are lots of areas where, you know, if it's like a question about the canons, the, the, the rules, the laws of the church, you know, he's my go-to guy to figure out what types of things we need to do with, with the canons. So he's incredibly good at his job. He works really hard. Uh, he is always recruiting new clergy for Oklahoma. You mentioned we've had a bunch of great new clergy come in. That's because of Canon Eric's hard work. He spends time every single week recruiting clergy and saying, hey, maybe you're uh, not uh, able to have a new position right now, but think about us down the road. Mm -hmm. It's a constant process. I think of it as being almost like uh, you know, an NCAA coach recruiting athletes, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, Ken and Eric is always doing these, these um, kind of recruiting efforts and getting to know folks. Yeah. He's been invaluable with helping us think about the ordination process mm -hmm. and things that we really want to tweak to be sure that we get the types of clergy that we need, not only for the church of now, but for the church of five years and 10 years from now and beginning to do that work. Mm -hmm. um, and he's also just a really fun, great guy. Mm -hmm. uh, for those who have not yet had much chance to get to know Ken and Eric, he's a lot of fun. Uh, like me, he's got kind of a goofy sense of humor. Um, he's just slightly older than I am. So, you know, we, we grew up with the same kind of songs and shows and things. And so we get, we get kind of silly sometimes with things. Um, but he is a fantastic Christian leader mm -hmm. and we are blessed to have him and I'm blessed to have him as my my kind of right-hand guy and and um, Canon Will Buchanan is also just fantastic and so mm -hmm. that senior team of those two canons I mean Canon Will keeps the whole ship running smoothly with the finances the administration incredibly dedicated very faithful mm -hmm. loves our congregations um, so mm -hmm. we we've got a really awesome senior team yeah. in, in those two canons yeah rock on rock on um what is the last most interesting question i could ask you oh here? yeah mm -hmm. yeah we, we should go yeah sort of i don't know so we're wrapping up some some other you know some sort of out, outside the box i know, I know. people always want to hear like you know what good oklahoma food have you eaten and what weather phenomenons mm. have Okay. Have you enjoyed or hated? We can do that. So sort of food, we can do food and weather. Food and weather this is are like always the, interesting. the closing round, food and, food and weather. Um, so food. So yesterday, for the first time, I think, that I can remember, and this may not be right, but it's the first time I can remember it, um, I had fried okra. Mm. So um, I had a meeting, and and there was a, then a barbecue lunch um, after the meeting, and so I had fried okra for the first time that that I think of. Um, I've never had it that I recall. So that was great. I feel like that was a really good moment. It was far too long coming. I mean, that I've been here a year and not had fried okra was kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. 
But I see why people love it. I oh. see why this is like, you know, the Oklahoma vegetable. So important. It was so good, all fried up. And, and you know, so that was, was really fun to be able to have that. Mm-hmm. It was delicious. And with the barbecues, I had this yeah. great pulled pork sandwich with the fried okra. Yeah. It was so good. And then afterwards, it's like I just wanted to take a nap. But yeah. I, I, I didn't because I had <laughs> ministry to do it. So that was super good. So I've enjoyed the food um, and especially that recently. Weather... Okay, so this has been a crazy year for yeah. weather, right? And uh, people keep telling me that these weather events are once in a lifetime. I'm like, why are all the once in a lifetime events happening in my first year? <laughs> you know, like, what's up with that? So we had a crazy ice storm mm-hmm. in the fall, mm-hmm. um, and we were pretty fortunate at our house. Uh, we lost a lot of branches, but none of them actually fell on the house, which mm-hmm. was good. We, we had very minor damage, but that was a crazy ice storm. That thing. Yeah. And then we had the, you know, like the polar plunge, vis- you know, the, we had the snow, but also yeah. the temperatures that dropped into the negatives and mm-hmm. everybody's pipes were freezing. So that was crazy too. Um, but it's kind of fun. So, you know, of course, most recently we lived in Phoenix where it was all just various degrees of warmth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to have the possibility of cold, our youngest boy, especially Matthew, um, we, we call this winter we've been calling him the snow badger because every time it snowed this winter our our seven-year-old was out in the snow yeah. like for hours yeah. and he'd come in and he'd warm up and we'd throw his clothes in the dryer and then he'd head back out again mm-hmm. so it's it's been really fun to be in an environment where you know it's not snowing all the time like we've lived in denver right um, but where snow is a possibility yeah is is fun yeah well get prepared because we are entering into another season of you know storms and tornadic activity mm-hmm. so you haven't really gotten to experience that full on yet true because yeah. last year was not very intense it was pretty mild yeah. with the severe weather yeah and the, mm-hmm. the late spring early summer yeah it was uh yeah. i mean i didn't think it was mild but i'm told that it was very mild mm-hmm. it was just a few tornadoes and big hailstorms and things so yeah, yeah we're i'm not uh definitely not wishing for that i feel like we've had right. enough strange weather in this yeah. year but it, you know i know it's also part of part of life mm-hmm. um, in oklahoma and and you know everything about oklahoma we are embracing and uh <laughs> that means all the stuff that's good which is almost everything and these little challenges um including the severe weather that's it's all part of what makes oklahoma oklahoma mm-hmm. yeah well thanks so much for your time bishop Wilson. Thank you, Sarah. It was great to talk with you again, and I'm so grateful again for for you and for your ministry, which has meant so much um, in our diocese. We're going to miss you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, y'all. Be sure to sign up for the Diocesan Newsletter at our website, epiok.org newsletter. And follow us on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date on what's going on in the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. See y'all next week, and peace be with you.